every year I keep feeling this way in the late season, like I'm just missing out. But I, there's just like enough intel that shows me there's not anything happening that I just don't feel like it's my worth my while, you know. In the state of Michigan, my experience has been after the first couple of days of gun season, bucks don't exist anymore. <laughs> it, I got, they just vanish. I feel like it has a lot to do with the way that our gun season lays out. I think you should, you would see sustained action, more bucks, people killing deer later into November if our gun season didn't come in until later in November. I got a really great story for you guys whenever we're ready to rock and roll here. I mean, we've been rocking and rolling for we've the been rolling. couple minutes. Okay, great. So, <clears throat> this better be a good story. It is a great story, and it, it's going to really resonate with the fathers out there. Hmm. So, <clears throat> is this a poop story? No. Okay. <laughs> so, like last night, so I'm, I'm on a new schedule. You guys know that. Yep. But maybe the people don't, they don't know. Give them the gist of it. Wife's going back to work. There's a handful of hours every night where I'm the guy. Yeah. I'm in the driver's seat. Yeah. I'm, I, I, before mama gets home. Before mama gets home. You pick the boy up from babysitter, and then dad's in charge till mama gets home. Yeah, that's okay. me. And uh, last night, dude, as my, my mother was babysitting, yeah. so I come home. We do the handoff thing. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> down said, <huh? laughs> don't, don't fumble the ball. <laughs> I was running tailback and yeah, exactly. Don't fumble the bag. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we do the handoff from, from like, from get, it was like belligerent. Baby lost his mind. Belligerent. I mean, you know, when they like, you like open their mouth and they, they're crying and yelling and screaming and yelling so loud that their tongue almost like curdles a little bit. Oh, I know. Like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like like a whole different octave, yeah, like, a whole different yeah, octave. Yeah, like it's it just different. Like a pig slaughterhouse. Yes, a hundred percent. It's like a squeal. Yeah, it's, it goes from cry to squeal. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Been there. So like I was there. That's where I was as a man. And, Dri- driving home. No, no, no. At at home. Oh, once you got home. Yeah, my mom was actually at oh, my house. Oh, oh, oh. Yesterday okay. it was a different day. Got it, got it. But typically, yeah, I'd be driving home. So, you know. There I am, and I'm pulling out all the stops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, changing arms, put them in the chest rig, put them in the the chair, bounce to him, talk to him. Shh, shh. Yeah. They'd like tried it all. The passy? <laughs> oh yeah, tried four different passies. <laughs> fed him. He wouldn't. He, he like one time. I mean, I'm talking belligerent, and it's kind of like a joke in my family, like because I was that kid, right? I was that you were pissed. I off. was the colicky kid. Like yeah. I was that dude. And so it's kind of like, I almost like knew it when we had a boy. I'm like, this is going to be, this is me. This is going to be repeat payback. All yeah. those things. Like, it's kind of like a joke. Nobody really like comes out and says it, but it's kind of like, yeah, that's your son. Right. Yeah. Like that thing. You had that one comment, Nate. And he's belligerent and we're going on 40 minutes. Are you ripping your hair out? Like I was walking up and down sweating. the stairs. I was walking outside every once in a while. He's a party trick. He does sometimes like, I'll take him outside and it's cold. Like it's like a shock of like cold air. And he'll at least get him to stop screaming for a minute. And he stops for like just dead silent. Like, and, and usually that works. You walk back inside and he's kind of calm, but like it didn't, he just was like bawling and you could hear it ricocheting off the woods. Just loud. Yeah. It was like curdling blood. Just like, yeah, 45 minutes in, I'm thinking like, Oh my God, my mom calls me about an hour in. How's it going? Yeah, like, hey, he was yelling. He was kind of upset when I left, and I didn't like it. Like, is everything okay? And and he's, like, in the background yelling, and I'm like, no, he's belligerent. I got to go and hang up. She calls me back. She goes, hey, you know, something that used to work for you guys, we'd take you on a car ride. And I'm like, all right, got to go. Like, hung up. And, like, here comes another 20 minutes, and I'm, like, giving him the bottle, like, spitting it out. Like, I almost had him with a bottle once. Like, he was kind of spitting it out, put the bottle in. You almost had him. And he, like... (laughs) ASMR. Yeah, I kind of like that. And then he like, and just kept just throttling, just throttling, full full throttle. And so here I am. I'm like, okay, putting him in the car seat, put him in the car seat, rig him up, throw him in the freaking truck, rip down the driveway. And I just grabbed my Spotify and like, lullaby. 
I was like looking for something and I first, I played the Meteor podcast and I like hit it and it was just like, and I was trying it and just another octave, like, like, just, n- <laughs> just not meat eater, dad. Put the painted arrow podcast. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, shoot, like that ain't it. And I get down the road a little bit. I'm like, all right. And I just saw deeper in the holler, Randy Travis. And I played it. I'm like, this is one of my favorites. Randy Travis. He paused for like a, like a second. And then he kept just squealing. And I'm like, that ain't it. Hey, Randy, that ain't it. I'm like, man, I was like singing to him. Like, yo, I was like trying to like soothe him. It's all right, Bubba. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're driving around and then I'm, I'm just like panicking, honestly panicking. Cause like my wife's going to call me any minute. We're about an hour and a half by myself and like a couple first days. And so then you'll never guess the song. Like this is the song that like he. Mm. No way. Jack Harlow. This came on and he was out. Dude, he was out. <laughs> Oh, and the bass is kicking in the back right next to his seat. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I got you, son. Like, we're going to be just fine. Just want a little jack. I get it. <laughs> so I was like, my wife called me and she's like, how's everything going? I'm coming home. We good now. And I was like, honey, you have no idea how much I love Jack Harlow right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. I, like, I dig that story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you guys would. Um, we won't go too far into it, but I had a similar encounter encounter encounter. situation is this a buck story (laughs) (laughs) so like with my first son Rhett um he was a fresh baby and Logan um Logan's cousin actually passed away it was really sad but we went we went over to the funeral in Detroit and uh he's like a fresh baby I mean which means I'm a fresh dad Mm. I haven't spent a lot of time away from mom like we've been doing it together so it's kind of similar in, in the situation where, like, this is your first couple times, like, full-on dad mode by yourself. And he starts uh, he starts fussing, like, during the funeral service. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shoot, like, I took him and we walked out. No diaper bag. You forgot it? Big Ooh. move. I fumbled the bag. Fumbled the wait, bag. Wait, wait, wait. I, so I you didn't even bring up the it? baby. I didn't even bring it. I left it in the funeral room, like, oh. in the ceremony. Ooh. I took him out. And we were, like, two minutes into the service. And it was like exactly your situation. Full on baby squealing mode. Had to go to like the other end of the facility so people weren't hearing this baby scream. I'm like bouncing him. Like I took him in the bathroom and turned the water on. I'm like bouncing him next to the water. Like tr- like playing stuff on Spotify. Nothing. Like not. And I'm like, I'm going to lose my mind. Like mm-hmm. I'm never going to survive this moment. And like. I'm texting Logan like you need to. I texted all of her brothers. I texted her mom. I texted her dad. I'm like, can someone please bring me the diaper bag? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, they're all in there crying. Like, it's a horrible, horrible situation. That gets a horrible funeral. Like, tragic deal. And I'm just like, diaper bag. Need it. Like, diaper, diaper. Like, I need a bottle. Bring me a bottle right now. And like, and he's screaming, losing his mind. Finally, Logan sees like. She sees the text and she comes out and you can tell like she's crying out of one eye and like laughing out of the other. Like she's like laughing at me because I'm like distraught. <laughs> and, but she's like crying from the weight of the ceremony. And like she comes out, pops a b- bottle out of that that diaper bag, takes the baby and just and he's just like, <laughs> I'm like, you are like like the, the staff at the uh, facility were like, can we get you anything? I'm like, if you can go in there and find that diaper bag, that'd be sweet. Like go in there and just tell him you need a diaper bag. And like, dude, it was like yeah. nothing. Nothing like I'm holding him next to the hand dryer, like holding him next to the sink, playing Spotify, walking around, but like every tried everything, just like you. Jack Harlow didn't do it that day. Uh, Jack well, Harlow didn't do it that day. So he, he hadn't dropped that album yet. He hadn't dropped the album yet. It would have fixed everything. It but. really would have. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, now I know. But like this morning, like you know, he he woke up and he was this cute smiley self, and I'm like, good morning, you know, and yeah, he looks at me and he's like. <laughs> and he's all cute again. And I'm like, you scared daddy yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> like you he don't took some do years again. off my life yesterday. Oh, yeah. My wife just thinks it's kind of funny, but like she, I told her the Jack Harlow, Jack Harlow story and she was like, just cracking up. Yeah. Like, of course, like, yeah, of course it's Jack. It's just hilarious. That is terrifying as a new dad though. I, I had my share of those stories where you literally, it, it is, it short circuits your freaking brain. You're, and like, you're sitting there. You're like this moment 
It's a moment series, but for dads. Yes. This moment. moment will never end. I yeah. will be stuck here forever, forever with this crying child who's literally just making my brain melt. Well, and Trav, Trav and I were talking about it. Like, as men, we're fixers, right? So, like, oh, yeah. baby's crying. That's a problem. Got to fix it. Yeah. And it's like, I don't... Apparently, I don't have the toolbox with the tools to solve this problem, but like... Toolbox just, comes usually on the chest of a... Of, of yeah, <laughs> like it feels... <laughs> yeah, I don't have those. You don't have those. Like, We're not equipped. Yeah, like you can look, buddy, but there ain't nothing there. <laughs> like it's just... It is like almost a... Like it's a stressful, yeah. almost hopeless feeling where like I have no way to end this. I do not have the tools. Well, the, I, the car ride is a is a sleeper. Like that's a veteran move. Yeah. Like 100. that does not surprise me that Mama Hicks was like, toss him in, in the pickup and run him down the road. It's like dopey. that's a veteran move. Yeah, my dad was telling me too. Like they used to, like late nights, like two one two in the morning. Mm. Veteran move. Like that's a veteran mm. veteran move. So I'm like, if it worked for me, maybe like like father like son like son like father like I just it, of course it was Jack Harlow. It wouldn't make the story wouldn't have made any sense if it was freaking Randy Travis. It wouldn't have. Cause that's like I was kind of trying to be like, yeah, Randy Travis. But like when you said it was Jack Harlow, I'm like, freaking of course it was. Like wait, like when we know you and like something with a little boom bop comes on, like the way like of course your son wanted a little Jack Harlow and a ride in the in the in the diesel. We went and looked for deer. He he wasn't because he was sleeping at that point, yeah, but I was you were yeah cruising the dirt roads. Like it was it was yeah, beautiful. Bless him. So that that's I love that. That's a real it's a real that's thing. That's real. Yeah real thing that happened yesterday to me and I, I think you know this is the last thing i'll say about it but like i think i was more so like wanting to impress my wife yeah like hey i how, got this what's the update what's the report doing another handoff like when she gets home i wanted to be like yeah everything was really good he had a bottle he slept he like everything's good and it just was like not mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so those type of moments too make you appreciate like god being a mom is like like it, it just it just makes you realize like Mom VP, like for like a mom is different. It is. Oh, yeah. I, I think, she, I think he, I think he knew that I wasn't his mom and he was like, honestly, 100%. screaming for his mom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Jack Harlow was a close second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes, Mom, Jack Harlow, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we probably better talk about some, some deer hunting. Some deer hunting here <laughs> to wrap that all together. But, um, something I wanted to talk about today is, We've had, we we kind of did like a post-season recap. Mm-hmm. We kind of had a couple of them where we got to kind of share stories from the season. We kind of got to say like, you know, you know we, we're going to focus on property improvements. Like we didn't really, like I want to dive another level deeper into like some things after the season here. And when I say after the season, like we're, we're not doing the travel to Missouri in December. Like it's, it's the season's done for us basically. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I've had a lot of time to kind of chew on even more in depth, um, you know, some of the failures, some, I've been reflecting back to like some of the first encounters with deer I've ever had, like as a kid, like I've been thinking deep into like, what am I going to change next year? Like something's got to change for me personally. Mm -hmm. I've been digging into that. I've been digging into property improvements and a new level. And so I, we didn't really prep for this in in a sense, but like, I kind of wanted to just have a conversation, um, about about those things like is there anything when i say like you know in terms of a complete recap yeah like we had a we had a we had a heck of a season in many ways we right. really did we we got on a lot of deer there was um we i think we learned a lot about your property 100 percent. i learned a lot about my property is there anything like that really just sticks out to you that you've been chewing on since the last time we kind of recapped and talked deer and chopped it up like good old times um yeah, the thing I've been thinking a lot about is late season. Um, I've I've seen some people in the state of Michigan having some some decent late season success, and and the the common theme is always food. And so, like that, maybe this parlays into property improvements. But um, I put in a pretty good sized food plot at, at the home farm here this year. But I'm trying to put in a significant amount of more food next year, but a variety. Like I want to have, I'm going to have a clover plot. I'm going to have a section of beans. I'm going to have a section of corn and then I'm going to have the brassica plot. And and the idea is that like have, have this buffet of, of options for them. You know, hopefully it all comes in well, but then I want to, I'd love to be able to I guess maybe even if I'm, I've filled both buck, buck tags, I'd love to still get some late season hunts in and try to see and understand like what can I, can I still see bucks? Mm-hmm. Because 
in the state of Michigan, my experience has been after the first couple of days of gun season, bucks don't exist anymore. It's it's in in many ways it's very true. Like it <laughs> it I got they just vanish. And um the guys that are killing them, you hear them say like, "Yeah, I've been watching this buck every night and he's living literally within a 100-yard section. He gets up, he eats, he lays back down like after gun season and after the rut. Primarily what they're focused on is is staying alive and being right next to the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm interested to to see if I can still see some bucks in late season because you hear people talk about it still being a pretty awesome time to hunt given the right conditions. Mm-hmm. It's hard for sure. Um, I, I watched something from Bill Winky yesterday. Um, I think maybe the 18th or 19th, Iowa archery reopened. Mm-hmm. So like their gun season's done and archery season reopened and so you know he was moving blinds around his property and driving with the tractor and knocking down sections of corn and trying to like create these spots of just food and um i i just i'd like to understand or or at least get some hunts in next year in the late season once i've got more to offer in the late season like right now it's it's probably gonna be more of a waste of time than anything for me to go out there because there's not a lot available to them yeah um but I'd like to give them a bunch of food that hopefully makes it through the season and then spend some time hunting late season and see if I can learn something. Yeah. So on the topic of you, you said layering, are you like trying to make like where you put your food plot this year Mm -hmm. layer like that? Or are you trying to just scatter kind of throughout your property, different available options? Mostly what I meant was um, there would be different plots in different locations, but I, I, I have thought about in one spot layering it. So having multiple food sources within the same plot. It's funny that that's where you went um, with like, you've been seeing a lot of guys, not a lot, but you've been seeing some guys have some decent success late season. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that's been eating at me. Yeah. Like I'm not hunting. I'm, I'm not, I'm yeah. not out in the public. I'm just, I'm for, I don't have any fresh intel to go off of. So I'm not doing that right now. That wasn't the focus for me this year. But like on this property that I'm at now, it's a ghost town. Yeah. I mean, quite quite literally a ghost town. Um, I've done some walking in there with my boy. Like that's something that he does actually like is to walk through the woods. He'll just nap. And like, it's just, there's like nothing there. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing to spook. There's nothing that comes in. Like we've walked all, you know, different times of the day and food is like, like you said, late season, these bucks are going to these remote areas that have good access to a small, but legitimate source of food. Yeah. And, I'm I'm like planning to clear a giant, giant chunk of forest. That's why your property is interesting to me is because if we look at it right now, there's no food source. It's huge timber and all of the leaves and most of the cover is gone. So it's this like, it's this, like, why would they be there right now? It doesn't, it doesn't surprise you or me that that's a ghost town primarily right now. It's completely. Doesn't make any, like that doesn't, that, that makes perfect sense. But how do you change that yeah. is, is the thing. And I think you've got a pretty decent plan. It's just going to be some freaking sweat equity. If I'm going to kind of just dip into it just briefly. Yeah. Like traditionally, traditionally, if you were to look at like, where do you want to put food and where do you want to locate bedding? Like typically on a hilly type terrain, you want to leave the ridge tops for bedding. Mm-hmm. And you want to put the food in lower locations, make them come out of the hills kind of thing. Um we keep using Bill Winky, but he's yeah. he's done a really good job this year of like he's just showing what he's doing. Yeah. He's just showing exactly what he's doing. There ain't no secrets. Here's where he's hunting. Here's where the stands are. Here's where the food is. Here's what he's doing. Here's the you know, here's the improvements. He's documenting the transformation of that farm. And basically the high the high country is the food. He doesn't no. I'm I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. He doesn't touch it. He didn't yeah. go up there. It's just it he I think he did some cutting, made some little sanctuaries exactly. and just left it for the deer. Exactly. And what I'm what I'm having issues with is I'm dealing with a micro like version of that version of that in many sense. Um, so like, you know, down in these valleys, he's got these beautiful cornfields. Mm-hmm. I got these like seasonally wet areas. Right. So it's like I can't put food there. It wouldn't make sense to clear there in the small low areas that I do have that it, maybe it would make sense. Like I'd have to clear a ton of trees on the ridge tops to even get sun down there to make anything grow. Mm. So my original food plot that I put in that was a ghost town this year was on a ridge top, the highest point on the entire property. And 
since then, I've done a lot of like research. I've done a lot of talking. I, I gave a call to Jake Eilinger. I've talked to you about it. I've talked to a couple people like, is this a mistake if I put all the food on these ridgetops? Because like, that's all I got. Like, that's all I got with a decent amount of like legitimate flat land to yeah. like, I'm thinking cornfields. I'm thinking yeah. bean fields. I'm thinking big, big scale, like transforming yeah. this property. And that's kind of what I've decided is like, if I, if I want to have, if I want to like have legitimate field, yeah, I, I have to do it on these high areas. I'm going to designate certain places as complete, complete bedding, remote Sanctuary. sanctuaries and just give them to the deer all time. And that's something that I know Sturgis talks about a lot is all deer all the time. There's got to be a section of your property that's all deer all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, <laughs> I'm planning on documenting um, a giant portion of this. Like yeah. I'm, I'm waiting on a logger to come in to kind of give me an idea of like, I've, I've kind of gotten the area that I want to clear picked mm-hmm. out. Um, but it's, it's like a, it's like a big project. <laughs> Huge. I mean, we're talking clearing acres. Cutting them down is one thing. Like getting them out of there is a whole nother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this is going it, to, it's a project. It's a big, big, big project, but I don't know. Um, it's definitely not something I can just do by myself in no. the summer. It's it's not like that kind of a you job. You and a chainsaw, it'd take you a decade. <laughs> like it would. It might, it it really might take would. a while. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if you got any thoughts on that, but I'm, I'm, I'm planning on having a logger out and I want to, I kind of want to film that first encounter with this logger. Like go out there and just walk the property and, and film that encounter. Like I, I, I don't, I think a lot of people have this. Like I really do. I think a lot of people have like a chunk of timber and they don't they don't have great hunting. They don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm literally gonna have the logger out and just record the conversation. Like yeah. I don't I don't know very much either. Like I'm planning on clearing this section. This guy does food plots every once in a while. He he clears land and um I just like he, he knows tree species. I mean, just from talking to him on the phone, like right. he, he knows his tree species and he's like, Yeah, we, I could tell you a hundred stories of how we cleared property and he you know, has reports from landowners saying that they've seen more mature bucks than they've seen in a long time. And a couple of years after, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's sense. Yeah. Um, the thing that comes to mind when you talk about, uh, food on the ridgetops versus the valleys and, and like comparing it to Bill Winkie's property. And I guess traditionally what people would do. Um, one thing people talk a lot about is in Michigan, we've got a lot more swamps than you would see. Um, out in like Illinois or Iowa. And so out in Illinois and Iowa, when it's like huge, huge ag country, where like a massive chunk percentage wise of the available ground is in ag. Um, the bedding opportunity then is these ridge tops with, with cover where they can't put ag. Um, here we've got ch- giant chunks of ground that are lowland wet swamp that also cannot be planted in ag, but are like gnarly thick cover. Yep. And so I think in your situation, it's it's okay to do what you're going to do because you're flanked by some really big, gnarly swamps mm-hmm. that are going to hold the deer. So from that perspective, I don't think it's a mistake to do what you're going to do. Um, because again, like the, the general idea might be leave the ridge tops for the deer, but if, if, if that's the only available cover, but they've got awesome opportunities for bedding all around you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing you and I realized when we went and walked is let's not have them bet on you. Let's have them bet in these locations just off of you all around you in this really thick stuff. Let's give them a centralized food source that gives you the ability to hunt it on a lot of different winds, gives you much better options for access. Um, there, there, there'll still be some, some spots in your property that you want to leave for the deer where they will bed. But I think primarily the the options of like the really thick gnarly cover being just off of you mm-hmm. makes makes it make sense to me to put that big field in where you want to put it in. Yeah. I, I so if you like looked at a piece of paper, what what size of paper? Eight, eight and, and a half, half by eleven. Eight and a half by eleven. So like if you were to just take a pen like I'm doing right now and just put like a like an oval right down the middle, leaving like sections on each end for like show the camera. It's a great idea. Something like that. More or less, yeah. 
I mean, it's not exactly like that at all, but more or less, this is kind of what I'm trying to do. Like I have a ridge top that kind of meanders and I want to clear. It's almost like a spine. Like the rest of the property kind of falls off to either side. Like that's the highest point and it goes through pretty much the center of the property. There are other ridge systems and hills, but like that's kind of the spine of it. Yeah. Is what is kind of how it I meanders, think about it. And it doesn't go all the way to the back at all. But right. That's kind of what I wanted to like I, I chewed on so many different things and I, I walked it a ton with my son. Um, like during his nap time, I'd go and walk and just like with the leaves out, you can see, you can, you can like see the trails. You can like, you get a better vibe for it. And so I did that a bunch of times, just like picturing different scenarios, picturing different scenarios. And that's the only thing I could come up with is like, I want to keep deer feeding at the center. Like I want to keep them towards the center of my property, right? Mm -hmm. Away from the neighbor, like in the center. And by doing this, I think it's, it's going to give me really good opportunities to make sections of bedding. Um, I can designate like, you know, close to the food sources for does for immature yeah, you know fawns and like and then i have these in the back i have like a ridge line like i can designate a lot more cutting and hinge cutting for mature bucks and like almost pick it out mm -hmm. and it, it's been able to for me to start at food which yeah. is interesting how you started the the conversation at like late season food sources like yeah. for for me to start with where where can i legitimately put food that makes sense for deer travel to keep them in the center of my property during daylight hours like that's really been my like first point. Yeah. Like with this chunk of timber, like where can I put food? Right. That's like number one. Yeah. I mean, I think it's well documented. A lot of people talk about it. And in my experience with, with the Crick Woods in this place, like you could spend 10 years devising a plan on how to trans transform that property. But what is going to make the biggest impact, the m impact the most quickly? It's a big food source. Yeah. Like if you give the, if you give the deer some, give them a lot of food in a spot where they've never had it, it's going to attract deer. Yeah. Like, and, and again, like with the Crick Woods, we thought with, you know, we think of it as a crossing property. There's ag to one side, a lot of bedding to the other side. And, and just hunting it this, I, I purposely did not plant there this year to, to see what would change. Significantly less deer numbers, way less bucks frequenting the area without that little tiny quarter acre food plot. Mm-hmm. It made a huge, yeah. I mean, so, so, so. I've learned a lot from that food plot, honestly. Me too. Me too. It's changed how I think about a lot of the, that property and this property even. Um, like if, if you said like 100% improvement on that property, I think getting in a food source gets you 40 to 60% of the way there on its own. Like you're then going to spend the next 80% of the time working for that last 40% of improvement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think your time is best spent in significant food sources initially mm -hmm. because of what the surrounding properties offer the deer. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've, there's plenty of cover around. There's, there's conifers up this way. There's a swamp down that way. Like they've got thermal bedding cover. They've got thick stuff. They just got to travel a really long way to get to food right now. And so if you give them a substantial amount of food, that's gonna, that's gonna stick around for most of the season, that's going to change everything. Yeah. It's going to help your neighbors hunting too, but like, you're not really going to make any improvements to your property that aren't going to also improve your, your yeah. neighbor's hunting. It's something that that's so crazy. Cause I, I, I usually just don't hunt a lot after like November 20, you know, fifth. Yeah. Thanksgiving typically is kind of like my last, like, Hoorah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm I, every year I keep feeling this way in the late season. Like I'm just missing out, but I, there's just like, enough intel that shows me there's not anything happening that I just don't feel like it's my worth my while, you know? This is a whole another rabbit hole, but I have a few, I have, I, I, I want to go into that rabbit hole. I feel like it has a lot to do with the way that our gun season lays out. I think you should, you would see sustained action, more bucks, people killing deer later into November. If our gun season didn't come in until later in November, I'm working on a, I'm working on something about that. You don't know about cool. Can't wait to hear about it. Working on a podcast guest to come in and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's on my heart and I know it's on yours and a lot of people's like, I'm bringing somebody in who has a lot of authority to talk about regulation change within the state of Michigan. Cool. So I'm working on that. Like, let's think about Ohio, for instance, their gun season comes in when roughly, is it They're, a week? I think it's the 28th. Yeah. It's like almost two full weeks after the Michigan gun season. Can you pull that up? So it comes in almost two full weeks 
certainly at least a week, but I think it's, I think it is two full weeks after the Michigan gun season. And you see guys, it, you see it have the same effect as November 15th. So yeah, November 27th through December 3rd, it looks like. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so like, let's talk about Michigan buck pole on November 15th in Michigan, the first couple days of gun season, there are big bucks hitting the ground everywhere because it's the opening day of gun season. It has the same effect for Ohio at the end of November, but it's, it's 27, 28, 29, 30, one, two, three. It's literally a week. It's a week. So what I'm saying is whenever you position that gun season, the effect of it is felt in those following days where the bucks like, Oh shoot, everybody's out here with guns. The orange army's here. I just think, you know, the, like I grew up and even till now still have this this mindset that like after November 18th, like if you see a buck, wow. I do think it's regional too. I do think it's like it's obviously our state. It is. But I'm just saying if, if our if yeah. our gun season was the 21st or the 27th, you would see people killing awesome deer up until the 27th with a bow. Whereas right now, like I actually killed this deer, my best deer ever, on the 23rd of November. And I remember going out after church on a Sunday thinking, like, I'm not going to see anything. But my wife was busy, and I, well, I'm just going to go deer hunting. And it was like an immature doe came running into a food plot, and he was hot on our trail. You were in the right spot at the right time. Right. But, like... On that food plot. But if people weren't running around with guns up until the 23rd of November, like, peak estrus is the 15th. Like, how awesome would bow hunting be? It would be great. I don't know. I mean, that th- there's 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 probably pros and cons to both of it. All I'm saying is, like, in my head, after the first week or or first four or five days of gun season, it's like you're never going to see a buck again. Mm-hmm. Not unless you're in an area with huge parcels, big ag, and low pressure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, that's that, I, I want to dive so deep into that. With that guest, with or that no? guest, no, not now. I want because I, I, I feel like I don't have the knowledge to. to Their muzzleloader season is January six through nine. I was talking. We were talking to Hayden Grimmer, the hunting public. They're going down there to hunt muzzleloader season in Ohio. Like, have you ever thought about hunting in January up here? Like, there's just it doesn't seem like there's any deer left. Unless you have these big, big, big open food sources, like that's where yeah. they typically pile in. But it's hard hunting still. Like you have to have right access. Typically, yeah. you know, typically if you're driving down at an old country road in Michigan, this is probably true in a lot of places, but all the ag is up towards the road and then the back half's timber. Right. So when you go in and hunt, when you yeah. go in to walk in to hunt or to leave at the end of the night, like typically you're walking in the middle of a field where all the deer are. Like it's, it's tough. And that's a, that's a, that's a fun challenge. Like you have to be very, you know, yeah. creative on how you're going to, to, you know, get into those places. But anyway, something else that I was thinking about in terms of the, the original question that I pose is like, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you've been chewing on? Like for me, it's, it's very much how I, how I practice. Mm-hmm. Um, man, my gear is. I I think we have some of the highest end gear that money can buy. You know what I mean? Like we got good gear. Yeah. It's like we're in gear. 2023. Yeah. Like it's just <laughs> just technology's come so far. Like I I don't I don't sit here and look at the year and be like, oh yeah, like if I would have just had this 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 and this, it's nothing. It's it's nothing to do with that. Some like remember we had Jake Ewing around. He still shoots the same Matthews that he shot in like early 2000 or the 90s or something, right? Yeah. Like he kills a deer with it every year. Why would he change? Why Why would you? And that's so kind like, of the approach that I'm going to take too is like, I'm not going to try and change everything. I'm just going to stick with what I got for a little while and just try and, you know, change the way that I practice, which was yeah. where I was going. The, the one, the one thing that really sticks out to me is like, I said this at one point, but like standing just flat on the ground and shooting at a target. Yeah. Like, I don't know what good that does. Yeah. I could hit a target. Right now, I don't. I mean, I could hit it bullseye, no problem. Like it's not a, it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So could you? So could anybody who shoots their bow? Like that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't it. I, I'm, I'm more interested in like elevating my heart 
Like maybe I go for a run and come back and like the first three shots, maybe that's like my whole day of practice. Simulating the moment a little more. Getting up in a tree, having like a, a racing heart and like, if you can't hit it on the first two, like then you didn't do it right. Like yeah. trying to implement creative things like that to, I'm still thinking about it, but like, I don't, I don't think just the only practice is shooting flat on the ground. Here comes the hunting season, October 1st. And then you, you, you prepare leading up to that with getting in a saddle. Um, like I, I just, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it for me. I, um, I've found like success personally with trying to do with bow hunting, what I learned to do with, um, long distance and like long distance running basically like turn your brain off trying to figure out how to turn your brain off. Like you've done enough repetition that your body, like it's muscle memory. You know what to do. Take the, take, take your overthinking out of it. Turn your brain off. Yeah. We've talked about the Steven Rinella quote, like be a good predator. You can get excited later. Like I feel like what I've tried to do as a bow hunter in the last handful of deer I've killed is in that moment, just turn your brain off. You're not looking at the antlers. You're not like the deer's coming in. Just turn your brain off and do what you know you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I feel like I I feel like I'm starting to kind of feel like that uh, that process. Like for me, when I, when I started doing long distance triathlons, I had to learn how to do that with swimming the way that I knew how to do it with running. Like swimming was a brutal thing for me to learn. Like I felt like I was just suffering the whole time, and I couldn't allow my mind to just turn off and wander. Where I'm just like getting laps in without thinking about every lap and when is this going to be over. Yeah, and and. I somehow feel like that's similar to bow hunting where like that deer's there right now. Your, 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 your mind is racing and you just got to get the arrow released and get him killed. And then, yay, we did it. Like I've, I've, I've focused on trying to just turn off my brain in that moment. Do the, do the preparation, shoot your bow enough that you know, you know what to do. You know, it's muscle memory at that point. And then in that moment, just figure out how to turn your brain off. So what's that look like for you? Well, I, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I, I look back at both videos of the two deer that I shot this year. And like, we've had some awesome mag pro footage submitted. Casey's like one of our buddies, but both of the two videos he sent in, like he releases the arrow and he's like, Oh my God. Like he's freaking out. I, I like watched my videos. I never like say anything. I, I don't even remember that moment. Like I've never, like I call you and I'm like, Dude, guess just guess, guess what happened? But like somehow in that moment, like I'm not audibly excited. Like I I think I'm starting to figure out, and I don't know how, but like just how to turn my brain off until until it's done. I don't know. I really don't know. But that was like one thing I noticed about myself in watching all these videos that were submitted and then watching mine. Like, why is everybody else freaking out and super excited? Like, why didn't I get like that? See, I I, I love the detail that you're going into, but I for some reason it's deer dependent for me. Yeah. And it's nothing to do with the size, but it's more like for whatever reason, in certain moments, I'm like calm, cool and collected. Yeah. And I don't know, like I started to think like, maybe is it, is it the, is it the deer that I have like on camera that I've been like trailing all year? And then the ones that I'm like, I don't really care about that are surprises that like, so I kind of started thinking like maybe I'm next year, maybe one of the changes I'm going to implement is like, maybe I just don't run cameras. Hmm. Like I'm gonna create the I'm gonna create. That'd be kind of cool. I'm gonna create. You should do that. I think I might. You should just not run cameras. I think I might. That'd be a super awesome experience experiment to talk about. Like I've heard people talk about cell cams and and trail cameras. Zach Farenbaugh is one guy that talks a lot about like hunting's a lot more fun when you got no idea like no idea what's chasing. You're just what you're chasing. You're just out there relying on your your woodsmanship to put yourself in a position where there should be a big buck. Then he presents himself and you kill it. I, I was literally thinking about that on the way here. Like, why do I run cameras? I do it because I love the intel, I'll be honest. Like, I love, like, there's the whole process is fun. Yeah. Maybe I run cameras, but just don't check them. So I can still get excited so you got it at the, the end of the year. Yeah, that, that, that could be true. But, like, I do it, and when I check them, I do it to get excited about the deer. But when I get excited about the deer... <laughs> like yeah, you know what I mean? It's kind of counterintuitive. I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But I, I. I struggled with that in certain circumstances this year. Like the deer that I missed mm-hmm. um, out here. Yeah. Made a bad. Uh, 
made a bad shot, hit it in the guts, the yeah. whole recovery thing that we 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 dove into that. Like I was really calm. Yeah. Made a bad shot. That's a different thing. Like I, I remember like specifically that deer came in and I was like, I was just yeah, like, but like you didn't I'm gonna play devil's advocate. You didn't have that deer on camera. Like you weren't excited know, about that deer. We didn't even know about that deer. No, I was I was calm. I just think I made a bad shot. Yeah. I don't think I stopped I th- him. I think that's more I was gonna say, I think that has to do with the stopping. Thing. That's another learning point. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. That's something else I actually wanted to like try this year is to not stop deer. Yeah. Learned a lesson. I don't know. Still still chewing on that one too. But anyway, like I, I remember being in that moment, like after that, like I was not, I wasn't like beside myself in the moment. Yeah. And I wasn't then, suggesting you were. I just found it interesting that a lot of the user footage that we got, like people are wired in that moment. And like mentally, like I'm excited after it happened, but like I just found it weird that when I watched my own videos, there, there was nothing. Like I, like even like that Wilson buck, that I started that video and watched him come in for five and a half minutes. That's brutal. He got in. I was at full draw for a minute six before I released the arrow. And at like no point during the video was I like, holy shit. Like, like, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I don't, I'm not saying I have it figured out, but what I'm trying to lean into is turning being able off. to just turn my brain off. Yeah. Just when the moment presents itself, we'll think about this when it's done. Like, you know what to do so that you don't even have to think about what to do. Like you've shot your bow enough times. I don't know. I mean, some of it comes down to judgment in that moment, specifically like if you're going to stop a deer or not stop a deer, like you got to be watching his body language and like there's, there's decision-making that has to happen in that moment that isn't something you practice. Right. But I don't know, like, I don't know. That's just, that's the thing specifically that I'm leaning into is trying to just focus on turning my brain off in that moment. I haven't, I haven't figured out what it is that happens in that moment for me yet. I, I I can't I can't spell it out like you kind of just said like yeah I turned my brain off like I'm still I feel like trying to figure out why like I don't know like I said sometimes I get like beside myself like the deer that I shot over its back I was like excited mm-hmm. I was literally in my mind taking grip and grins mm-hmm. like that's yeah, where like, I was oh, this that. is done like he's right there I'll, like what was he 10 15 oh, yards like I could have spat on him. <laughs> I could have so it was, was kind of like you wait all year for this moment. Here he is. He's right there. Like this is done. It was a version of that. Yeah. Definitely. It was a version of that. Like, here's my opportunity. Like we all talk about it. Those oppor- you're going to get them here. Here's mine. He's right there. Like this one's done. Like it, that's- it, was, it was exactly kind of like that, but I don't know. I'm still like, I still haven't figured it out, but all this to say, like I'm going to be practicing differently to prepare for those moments. And maybe that's something that I do is maybe, maybe I don't run cameras. Maybe I just go into, you know, hunt it. Just go and hunt it. I'm going to make the bedding areas. I'm going to make the food sources. I'm going to understand where I want to be in certain winds. Like, maybe I don't need to do that. You know, maybe I don't need to get all. Do you think you'd be freaking out more, though, if, like, if there's this massive buck that you did on ha- did have on camera and, like, you were seeing him for the first time in the stand at 15 yards? Do you think you'd be know. freaking out more? I, I, I don't know because I can't tell you if that's why. I'm not saying it's free. I don't know. I really don't know what I'm saying. I'm not saying you do freak out. I'm just saying. If you think that it's a it's a version of I know this deer's on camera, it matters. Like I, I got to get it done. Does that amplify instead of going the other direction? If you're seeing him for the first time right now, I think uh, something that I have we have we talked about is man, we're gonna shoot more does this year with the bow. Yeah, <laughs> I think that just being in that situation more often helps tremendously. It's just, yeah, it's it's a uh, live practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And killing does is not Hard. easy. It's Freaking not, dude. They they the way they can contort and qu- and twist is unlike any buck I've ever seen. So I think that's something that I've definitely have kind of jotted down. Like I got a little note section. Like that's that's one of the things. Like just I get the opportunities every year. It's just it seems like it's a time and con- inconvenience thing. Like you you know all the work that follows when you release that arrow. Yeah, but and it's like somehow you want it to be worth it to like be that buck you've been chasing. I hundred percent agree. I think that would help too if we had a one buck state. Yeah. You'd shoot more does. You just would. Yeah, I mean, I don't shooting two deer. I don't want to be done hunting. Like, can you imagine if you shot your first? Like, imagine we were a one buck state, and you do run cameras, and you've got this awesome buck on camera, 
and you get to kill him October 7th. Your season's done. Mm -hmm. Doesn't sound like any fun. No. In that scenario, like I got to buy an Ohio tag or I got to buy, like you got to go somewhere else and deer hunt November. Yeah. I mean, imagine the Holy Spirit buck. You shot him on October 1st. Imagine we're a one buck state. Deer season hasn't even started yet for most people. Like a lot of people aren't even going to put their first sin in until the end of October and you're done in October 1st. Yeah, it'd be crazy. That'd be wild. I think it would be good for the the, the age structure of the deer. I'm not going to dispute that. I, I probably would be for it, but I'd have to like, I'd have to hunt some other states, I think. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah, that if you if you if you would just be so much more selective too, I think. You really would. Yeah, like I hear people say like I got two tags. One's for a freezer buck and then one's for for horns. One's for horns. <laughs> I love when people say horns too instead of antlers. Like I got I got a, I got a tag for a freezer buck and one for horns. One for horns. Okay, shoot a doe. Shoot a freaking doe and then shoot one for horns. I really do. I, I good night eleven. I wanna I wanna do a whole thing. I wanna do like a three hour long podcast with somebody who has like authority to um kind of dissect the the legal aspect of how, how do how do you actually change laws? Regulation change. Like what what exactly needs to happen and what has happened in the past and what is currently happening. I wanna bring that guy in and I'm working on that. Cool. I look forward to that. Yeah. You should. I do. Um, is there anything else? I don't know. Bow hunting's a freaking awesome and hard thing to do. Like mm. it's that simple. And I really enjoy the land piece of it and the um you know that that habitat and, and just seeing how it impacts deer, right? Like the fact that you can take a, a piece of property where like, like, okay, we'll look at the Crickwoods. Like my grandpa hunted that for most of my life before I was ever really into bow hunting. And he would usually either, he would usually have an opportunity at a young buck first couple of days of bow season. And then he would, he would, there would be several, most hunts he would come in and be like, yeah, didn't see a hair tonight. And some of that I think has to do with like, you know, how you're accessing and what, you know, he hunted a lot of the same stand and blah, 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 blah. But, um, I also like, like the fact that you put in a food plot and it changes the game entirely. Like the fact that you can do something that is going to change your outcome is just, I think that's why I like it. Uh, it's yeah. not, it's not just leaving it up to chance. Mm-hmm. I went deer hunting a couple of times. Didn't see any deer. Oh, how can you change that? I think that's why I like it. Yeah, it makes it a year-round thing too. Yeah, it's not for everybody though. Some people don't like the getting their 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 hands dirty. Mm. I do. You do? Yeah, yeah. I want to cut down trees and put in food plots and put in trails and I want to do that. Yeah. Plant so trees. I think I think quite literally tomorrow, a logger is going to come out on the property. I'm going to record that conversation. That'd be sweet. And we're going to, we're going to figure out like, I don't know if we're going to get a drone out there, but I want to like show the scale of what, what I'm trying to do. Trav, do you have a drone? Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get one. We might need a drone for this project. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be so cool to like, uh, well, with Onyx, we could walk the perimeter with the tracker on and, and then like overlay that over an aerial to say like no this you, is need, the you f- need a drone yeah well we still need the drone <laughs> no we need a drone <laughs> shut up Deb we need the drone <laughs> but it would be cool to like literally do a flyover which is what it looks like now and then when you change it that'd be really really cool because mm-hmm. it's not going to be a quick transformation that's not like Nate and Dev in a in a freaking rake and a couple shovels like chainsaw hard too like it's not that like this is a this is a like doing timbering yeah like that's uh <laughs> yep and then digging <laughs> and then digging stumps out and cultivating soil that has not seen sunlight in god knows how long 
I mean, how old do you think some of those trees are? Um, 30 years, 30, 30 years. Plus. So like you're bringing sunlight to the forest floor in specific sections that probably hasn't seen a good amount of sunlight in freaking 30 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, like even after you do timber improvement, it takes a couple of years. It's not like it's just like, there they are, you know? And, well, and that's that, a huge food source too. That's a, that's the probably browse. the, that's probably the deer's primary food source is woody browse. Well, yeah. When, when you, when you cut it, what you were referring to for a couple of years would be like the regrowth, like new stem count, like all yeah. of that. But I mean, if you clear it all out in one year and then plant a big cornfield, like you could take something that was several acres of timber with offering the deer nothing and turning it into several acres of corn within a year. Yeah. That's going to have an incredible impact. Very I'm, re- quickly. I'm really excited to do it. So, yeah. Um, I want to do next, next podcast, whether, I don't know if there's a schedule we have somebody coming or not, but I want to, I want to have a last round of like checking cameras. I haven't checked cameras in a long time. Mm, I pulled a bunch. I haven't really talked to you about it, but I did pull a bunch. There's one I have out here still left running that I kind of excited to pull. I'm getting ready to go out and kind of like round them up. Yeah. Round them up. I need to go back out and get all the cameras. I pulled a bunch of cards, but left the cameras. I need to like go out. I mean, in years past, I've liked to leave them running to like, see if I can see a buck drop his antler or whatever. But I think I'm going to just pull them all this year and bring them in and yeah, I would, I'm, a, I'm in Clean the same boat. Take the batteries out and the whole thing. I'm going to do that very soon. And I'm, I'm excited because they've been running for a while. A while. Since I've been in there. Month. Yeah. Better. So, all right. I think that's it for this one. Um, really quick update. Show schedule coming up. We're going to be traveling the country. I think we've mentioned this on a previous one, but um, we're going to be going to the ATA show here in January. Mm-hmm. Followed up by the Great American Outdoor Show. Followed up by the National Wild Turkey Federation in Nashville. We're going to be down in Nashville. That's going to be a fun one. That'll be fun. Um, then we're going down to Iowa Deer Classic, Des Moines, Iowa. Then we're going to the Columbus Open Season oh, Show. Columbus is before Wisconsin. Yes, and then it's oh. Wisconsin Dells Open Season Show. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of a summer schedule that we're not kind of Finalizing putting out there yet. yet, but that's. That's a lot of states, y'all. That's down to Missouri, down to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, down to National uh, the National Wild Turkey Federation in Nashville. Tennessee. Yeah, Nashville. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah Nashville, sorry. Tennessee. Missouri. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Tennessee. Iowa. Columbus. Ohio. Wisconsin. That's correct. If you're in one of those states, come see us. That's going to be really exciting. Big time. Big and big, big things to show. Wow. Big things to show. Last week we had kind of had like that salesman ish yeah. podcast where we kind of told you what we had yeah, what's new. new. Yeah, um, those are all going to be there. So if you want to see some of the new products, like that, be a fantastic time to come around, see us, meet us, the whole thing. There might be some things there to see that we haven't talked about yet too. Oh, there will be. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Am huh. I missing anything? Hmm. Hmm. Um. <clears throat> I don't think so. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening along on this episode of the Painted Arrow Podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. See you.